0: Well, good morning, church. Man, I love that you have made Radiant Life part of your weekend experience. Want to welcome all those watching online. I need to clarify something right now in this moment because my fandom this morning has been under attack. I am not wearing a Michigan State sweatshirt. Yes, it is army green and white, but it is not Michigan State, so let's clear that air right now. <laughs> Big game this weekend though, right? <laughs> That'd be awesome. So if you're watching online and you can't read it, it says reading in life. That's what it says, okay? All right, hey, welcome to uh, part four of our series, Prayer, Knowing and Experiencing God. And real quick before we jump in, um, I think God's got some cool things in store for us. I'm going to gently guide us through some things uh, this morning. But before we jump into this morning, I got to bring it back to our attention that as we jumped into this series and as Pastor Brandon brought to the stage last week, we are currently today in our 14 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And some of you are like, "Uh uh-oh, totally forgot about that, right? That's okay. Now you know, and we'll get started from there, right? So We are in this series, or in this 14 days of prayer and fasting, and if you missed last week, jump online, listen to Pastor Brandon's message, and then he references a message that we did, I believe, back in the new year earlier, uh, about a year ago or so, also. But it begins like today. And that's okay if you, again, you, you missed it. But I want to bring up, like, why do we fast? Why do we fast? You see the spiritual practice of fasting all throughout Scripture. But there's an important thing with fasting. It's not so much of what you're letting go of as much as it is who you're taking a hold of. And that's more of God. So there's different types of fast, And I'm going to bring these four really quick. Um, for some of us, and there's some in this room right now because I've heard, some of you have already been telling me some fasts that you guys are doing some of us are going to do a complete fast that means for the next 14 days you literally are taking nothing in but bland water don't do that unless you are medically like, cleared and good to do that I, I, I don't know if I could I probably can through the power of God working in me and through me, a complete fast for 14 days that would be really hard And some of you are there and way better than I am and I want to high five you. Some are doing a complete fast for two days then they're eating the next day and then doing a three day complete fast, those things. But some of us are on that complete fast. You're doing no food for the next 14 days. Why? To seek God. Intentional seeking after who God is. Some of us, there's another fast called the selective fast. Notice I have a carrot. You can select certain things to remove out of your diet like vegetables. <laughs> but don't do that. Like for me, I'll just be honest. For me, um, I know that it's, it's you ask the question, where does my soul and flesh want to go after? Where does my flesh want to go after? I love sugar. I'm like Buddy the Elf. <laughs> if you ever watch that movie, Elf, like that's me, like sugar. Yes, please. So I just know that I'm jumping into a selective fast. So the next 14 days, I'm eliminating sugars. Uh, from my diet, as those cravings come in, I stop and I seek the Lord. So that's a selective fast. Maybe you're selecting certain things that you know your flesh is just drawn towards and you're letting go of those things. Some of us are going to jump into what's known as a partial fast and I've got the sunrise there, meaning it's not a complete fast, it's partial. I've already heard some are like, hey, I'm not eating till tonight because I actually gave up breakfast and lunch, and maybe you're giving up breakfast or lunch or dinner, and when those hunger pains come, you are on your knees or sitting down, just seeking after God, maybe through prayer and worship and those things there, so that's a partial fast. And then some of us, honestly, we just need a soul fast. What that is, is that it's a soul fast is what, what is getting your soul's attention? What strings are pulling at your soul for some of us, it literally may be social media. Social media is pulling you and your desires and the things that you You know you just scroll way too much. And maybe for the next 14 days, you're going to take a soul fast and say, hey, I'm getting off social media for 14 days. Maybe for some of us, it's television. I'm, I'm being transparent again. That's me. I love TV. It's my downtime. Everyone's got that thing that relaxes you and gets you away. I I love TV. I do. And um, I know the Lord told me for 14 days I'm to give up television. (laughs) I can't wait to meet with God and see what God has in store for me. But I really want to watch Sunday night football and Monday night football. But I'm not. Because I think God's ways are better than my ways. And I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that soul fast for me. Uh, so, think about that. Again, here's the calendar Pastor Brandon brought. Uh, here we are today. The fast begins today. The fast begins when, friends? Today. Now, don't be legalistic about the fast. They're just don't be legalistic. If you're with a group of friends or your, your, uh, your spouse is with you, just encourage you. Uh, what are some things that you guys can encourage moving forward? And don't, this is not a diet plan. All right. This is, I'm giving up things, I'm letting go of things to grab a hold of more of God. So when the hunger comes, you're praying. When you're at work and you decided I'm fasting lunch and you're in your office for 30 minutes, you're praying, you're worshiping, you're jotting down thoughts, those things. So it begins today and it lasts 14 days, okay? So it lasts through Saturday, November 6th. But this last week, of our 14 days of prayer and fast, starting a week from tomorrow, uh, today, is we're doing our prayer hands up, hands on. That will be a service, a prayer and worship service in this room, 7.30 every single night, starting October 31st, Halloween night. We start then and we're gonna run it through November 6th. November 6th is a little different, that begins at five. Why, because we wanna feast with you. We wanna celebrate with a feast what God has done. In you, through you, and in our church, the life of the church. So we're going to feast. So it's 7.30 every day except the last day, 5 o'clock, because we're going to eat a meal together. It's going to be awesome, okay? But really important, I truly believe that this is where we're going to see God move. And you know you need God's movement in your life. That You need God desperately to show up in an awesome, miraculous way. Prayer, hands up, hands on. Worship songs and prayer. And we're not going to leave you hanging, I know some of you, maybe your next step is like, I don't want to go to this thing, but I feel that tugging. Maybe your next step is I'm going to commit at least one time to show up for those seven straight days. Others of you, like my commitment, I can give three days, and that's stretching me. Do that then. For others of you, your commitment is I'm being there seven nights a week. I'm going to be there every single night. But what's your next step when it comes to this? And we will guide you through prayer. There'll be moments of corporate prayer where we're praying together and I'm guiding through some prayers. There'll be individual prayers. We'll have prayer teams spread throughout the front where you just need the laying of hands and you know I need someone else going to God's throne room for me because I'm losing this battle right now. And we're here for that. We're just creating that avenue for God to move for you in this church and in this community. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you coming? Turn to your other neighbor and say, I better see you there. All right. Hey, real quick, before we jump in, I want to give three verses. Because I believe we got to come with a holy expectation that God's going to meet us. Ready? Uh, In Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9 tells us a story of a father that's very desperate for his son. His son is demon-possessed. And Jesus is going to perform a miracle, and it's going to be awesome. He's gonna, he's gonna, the demon is going to leave the child, the boy. But in the process, the dad is wrestling with his faith. And he comes to Jesus and he says this When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears I do believe. Lord, help my little faith. And that's what I want us to come is with an increased faith, a holy expectation that I believe, but Lord, help my little faith, help my unbelief. I know and I'm gonna pray that there's a holy expectation that you're gonna meet me here during those seven nights of prayer. Also, look at this in Matthew, he, Jesus was doing, couldn't do a miracle in his own hometown. And he says this, and their unbelief, their what, friends, there? unbelief kept Jesus from doing many mighty miracles in Nazareth I don't want our unbelief getting in the way of what God wants to do in you and through you I want him to move and so may we prepare our hearts to say father increase my faith increase my faith the gift of faith that Holy Spirit brings increase my faith and the writer of Hebrews says this and without faith living within us it would be impossible to please God So we're coming with an expectation that God's going to move in a mighty way. I love what Oswald Chambers says about expecting God. He says this, to be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all of our ways. We do not know what a day may bring forth. This is generally said with a sigh of sadness. It should rather be an expression of breathless expectation. That we're going to come those seven nights of prayer with a breathless expectation that God's gonna meet us here. So may we praise and pray in expectation. Not out of ritual, not just it's just what I do. There's a holy expectation that God's gonna move. Now here's my last verse before we jump into week four. Here's a promise, draw near to God. That's what we're trying to do is create that avenue for all of us. We're trying to draw near to God and look at the, on the other end of this promise, And he will, he will, he will draw near to you. And that is where we're going for the next 14 days of prayer and fasting, and especially those last seven days. Does that make sense, friends? Oh, you didn't convince me. You didn't convince me. Does that make sense? Some of you said yes, and it didn't make sense. You're like, he's just asking for more response. But that's all right. Hey, turn to neighbor and say, presence, power, purpose. This entire series, we've been talking about prayer, knowing and experiencing God more. We've said this every week, that God has chosen to make prayer, that communication, the path to his presence, his power, and purpose. Last week, Pastor Brandon brought the message with the question, how do I deepen my prayer life? How do I take my prayer life and take it to the next level? Instead of it just being a ritual thing that I do, how can I take it to depths where it's never gone before? Next week, we're going to get super practical of understanding how do you even start praying? Because there's a lot of confusion around prayer and what... The question a lot of people I, I get is, am I saying the right words? I don't know. So we're going to get into that next week. But I'm going to bring one more aspect to this. For those that want to deepen your prayer life and you feel like, man, my prayer life just seems like it's stuck in the mud. Pastor Brandon said one of the answers is fasting. And I'm going to come on the other end and say, yes, an answer is fasting and it's worship. You want to deepen your prayer life. A beautiful conversation is deepen your prayer life with fasting and with worship. Last week, this was the main verse, and let's look at it, because this is where you're going to get the fasting and worship. Acts 13. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Barnabas, Simeon, and Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and we'll get into that next year. There's a reason why I say next year, and we'll reveal that in a couple months, and Saul. So you got this group of people that are at a church, and here's what they're doing. They were, what's this one word? Okay, okay. So you got this one thing. They're worshiping the Lord and they're what? Oh, combination. You see it? They're worshiping and fasting. Two spiritual disciplines. And the Holy Spirit said, they're worshiping, fasting, worshiping, fasting, worshiping, fasting, and who speaks? The Holy Spirit. Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, For So after they had fasted and prayed, so we got another one. They're praying, they're fasting, they're worshiping. All three, they're in that moment in that church. We're worshiping, we're praying, we're fasting. A beautiful conversation or combination that's happening. They placed their hands on them, Paul and Barnabas, and sent them off. And off they go to become one of the greatest missionaries of the first century world. They're worshiping and fasting Powerful combinations to your prayer life. But you have to understand something this morning. We all worship something. If you're a follower of Jesus, you worship something. You worship God. If you're a skeptic, there is something in your life. If you're kicking the tires about God, there's still something in your life that you worship. And here's how we know because worship is our response to what we value most, it's adding worth. To what you and I value most. There may be something that you really, really, really love in life. It could be your sports team, it could be a hobby, it could be your car, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse, your job. There's something that you really, really like that's getting a response from you. And you wanna know what it is? Follow the trail. Follow the trail of your time. Follow the trail of your money. Follow the trail of your schedule. You will find out what really matters to you. What are you adding worth to? What are you adding value to that deeply means something inside of you? Now, God doesn't mind that you have loves in life. He doesn't mind that you love certain sports teams He doesn't mind if you love like that hobby of yours that you just deep down, you're like, man, I just love doing this. What God minds is that when those things become of higher value than he, that's where it matters. We all worship something. What are we worshiping? And I know in a room full of all sorts of walks of life that we all come from different backgrounds. Probably different church experiences as well. Probably some of us, you hear the word a worship service. It can, it, something in your mind comes up with an idea of what the worship service should be. And I'm sure if we pulled everyone, we're going to get all different responses in this room. Because here's why. Some of you, you grew up with a Lutheran background. Others a Baptist. Others non-denominational, maybe Presbyterian, maybe Catholic. Whatever it is, this room... You have a different background that you grew up with that probably has defined what worship is. I'm not worried about what the worship of Radiant Life is. That's not what we're after here. What we're after is our desire at Radiant Life is to worship God's way. And I know we come into the room with, well, some are in this camp, and I'm not against this camp or the camp that I'm gonna explain in a moment, but some of us are more reverent, more we're gonna recite things, and with our bow, we're more bowing our head, and you gotta be quiet. Some of us that's what we grew up with. That's that's what we know for others of us. The other side of the spectrum is over here, and you've been coming to Radiant Life for a few weeks, and you're waiting for the banners to come out and people start dancing, right? Just completely different. And then there's everything in between the two. So what way is right? God's way. I love our new song that we sing, Make Room. And here's why. It can be offensive to some people. But it talks about tearing down our traditions and our religion because Jesus's way is better. Is there something wrong with tradition? No, we love traditions. But it becomes a problem when it gets in the way of what God wants. Then, yes, Jesus, tear down tradition. Does that make sense? Okay. I'll preach better if you give me better feedback. (laughs) Oh, trust me, you will hear momentarily, Lord willing. So... Here's the Sunday before Jesus is crucified. Look what happens in this moment of praise and worship. Here's what happens. Luke, it's the wrong reference. If you want the right reference, write Luke 19, 37 through 40. It says Luke 27, I'm sorry. Luke 19, it reads this way. When he, Jesus, came to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began what? What's this one word? Began what? Yeah. Woo! Joyfully what? Praise. Uh-oh. In loud voices. Oh, we're supposed to be loud when we praise? Oh. <laughs> For all the miracles they had seen. And here's what they're, here's what they're saying. In, in, in quiet voices. <laughs> Here we go. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And now in the loud voices, they're joyfully praising God, saying this, and look who gets mad. Some of the Pharisees, the religious people. They were the religious people at Jesus's time. In the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're a little too loud over there. Rebuke them. And Jesus, I, I have a holy imagination. I don't know about you. I wonder if Jesus had the biggest grin on his face. Let me put you in your place for a moment. I tell you, Jesus says, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Whew. You were meant and created to worship your Creator God. Don't let a stone take your place of worship. Don't let us stone. Let us worship God's way. Let us worship God's way. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And does it mean Ryan wants to get rowdy at Radiant Life? No. God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. But there definitely is a script in God's word to help us define exactly what worship looks like. What is worship that God likes? We just look, what did Jesus like? let him shout. Let them say it in loud voices. It's like Jesus saying, I like that. That's good. They're glorifying me. Don't tell them to be quiet. Rocks are going to cry out. They need to shout the praises. Uh, (laughs) Don't honor the brick and mortar. This is a building. You are the temple of God. You have his presence I think sometimes we get those confused. We want to honor the brick and mortar, of the building. This is the holy place. You're the holy place. Remember that message two weeks ago? If you missed it, watch it, read it. You are the temple of God now. You are. Yes, is there reverence to God? Absolutely. Why? There are angels in his throne saying, Holy, holy, holy are you. Because he is worthy of all praise. He is holy. He is above us. His ways are higher than our ways. And we have a little bit of sin and messed up. And God's saying, no, no, no. Sin and me are separate. There cannot be sin in my presence. I am so holy. There is a reverence to our God. And there is a way to worship that God wants us to worship him also. They can go beautifully hand in hand. And here, we're going to look at the book of Psalms this morning. The book of Psalms is written in the middle of your Bible. If you just literally turned about to the middle, you're going to find the book of Psalms. It's the biggest book in God's word. 150 chapters. And you know what the whole entire book of Psalms is about? Expressions of prayer, praise, and worship. You think God was like, this is important to me. The biggest book in my word is all about worship and prayer and praise. It matters to God. And we're going to look at things. And here's here's the scary thing. You know when people get rowdy? Think about Saturday. College football stadiums. Crazy. Right? You know what we call that craziness? They're fans. But you know when we call people who are excited about Jesus on a Sunday morning? That's a fanatic. Stay away from them. But let's look at what God is requiring us of worship. We want God's way, not traditional way, not contemporary way. I want God's way. And I know back in the day, you know, there's that battle. Some of you walked through it, the battle of like when traditional worship was around and the contemporary worship started to take over. And there's that battle, the worship battle. It took place across all, almost all churches had that battle. I don't want traditional worship in that sense. I don't think God wants that. I don't think God wants the contemporary worship in that sense. I think God has prescribed a way in the book of Psalms that he actually is after and desires. And that's what we're after. So we want traditional worship. What does that mean at Radiant Life? we got to go back 2,000 years to real tradition. How did the early church do it? How did David describe worship the way God desires worship. Let's be real traditionalists, if you will, and get into God's word and see what it says. So hey, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a Hebrew journey. Here's why. Uh, The book of Psalms was written in Hebrew, so think about that. Written in Hebrew, and Hebrew, the Hebrew language is an overstuffed suitcase. It means there is so much beautiful meaning. They have very limited words, but the meanings are so deep. And then we have the English language, which we have a ton of words for, right? And so sometimes it was really hard to take the original text, which was written in Hebrew, the Psalms, if you will, and take an English word and pair them up really well. So what happened in the book of Psalms is that We took, there are seven Hebrew words. Are we following my hands motions? I'm using my hands a lot right now. (laughs) There are seven Hebrew words written in the original language for praise, and that we translated those seven words into one English word praise. Oh, did we lose a little bit of meaning? Yeah. So let us discover the seven words. Six, seven, seven words that we translate into one word praise. We want to go back from this one word praise and go back to the seven and say, what is God after? What is God after? So turn to your neighbor and say, take good notes. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I will take good notes. Don't lie, don't lie. You said it, you got to take notes now, okay? Here we go. We're going to go through this quick. I won't be labelled, Be. be Labor it. Here we go. Here's the very first word, a Hebrew word for praise, is halal, which means to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. To what? Celebrate Celebrate and thus be clamorously foolish. Let's be honest. That's college football stadiums. And if we took that within the church world, many of us will say that's irreverent. You don't do that. This is where you and I get the word hallelujah. Hallelujah, it's hello. Hallel. What does hallelujah mean? To shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate, thus. So if I'm in a teaching and you hear someone just shout out, hallelujah, what are they saying? Yes, celebrate Jesus, that's awesome, right? And I, I say, Jesus saves, and someone says, hallelujah, what are they saying? Woo, we celebrate that Jesus saves, right? So I'm gonna help us understand. What are the weird oddities of worship? And help us understand, why does someone shout out hallelujah? Why do some people raise their hand and some don't? I'm just going to show us things. And I want you to ask the question as I show you this. Ask the question, Lord, what is my next step in worship? That's what I want for you. Do I want all this for you? I want you to grow at God's pace. So allow Holy Spirit, just say, what's, what's, what's the one next step in my worship to you, your way that you want me to engage with? That's Hallel. Hallelujah. Celebrate. Woo! Here's, I'm gonna give you a bunch of Psalms, so write these down. Psalm 35, here's where Hallel comes out. I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise. I will Hallel you before all people. I will before how many people? All people go, yeah, God, you good. Yes, you are awesome. Before all people. That means everyone. You see what God's after? Your faith is not private. Your faith is to be public. I will <laughs> woo, celebrate you before all people. I will boast. I will hallelujah you. That's kind of fun to say. I will hallelujah you. Come on. So now when you sit there and go, man, why do they say hallelujah? What what does that even mean? To praise, to boast, to shine. Come on. We're celebrating what God has done. Here's the next second Hebrew word that we translate just as praise. is yada. Yada. Not the green Yoda or baby Yoda. Okay. Yada. Let me hear you say yada. Yada means to acknowledge in public. To acknowledge in what? Public, not private, to acknowledge in public. You, we, some of us did this this morning. It actually, there's, there's a subline, I, I should have put it and I didn't, but it actually means to raise hand in public knowledge. So here's an instant. We sang No Longer Slaves. When we sang the words, I am a child of God, some of you raised your hands in worship. It was a declaration of acknowledgement in a public setting that God saved me. It's an acknowledgement of who he is and who you are now in God. That's what you saw in that moment. Here's another example. If I was to ask the room, uh, you don't have to do this, but if I was to ask the room, raise your hand if you're a Christian. Hands would probably go up, right? You just yedahed. You just acknowledged with the hand raised in public that you're a Christian. That's what yada means. It's an acknowledgment in public of who God is. Here's how it's played out in one of the Psalms. I will yedah, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. It's an acknowledgment of who God is, an adoration of expressing, God, you are good. You are my savior. It's adoration of acknowledgment of him. Here's the third word, barak, which means to bless by kneeling or bowing. Now, this is that moment of submitting into surrender through worship. You may wonder at times, you may see people, whether it's during the weekend services or first Wednesday, people at the front kneeling. You may see people down on the sides kneeling in worship. What are they doing? Barak, they're submitting in reverence to say, God, God, I need you, and I'm submitting everything to you. This morning, I got done with my quiet time. And I normally, during my quiet time, I always close with some prayer and worship. And I was sitting in my chair, which was very comfortable at the time, and I just felt this impression, get on your knees and start praying. Even though I was like, I'm good, I'm just sitting in the chair praying. No, get on your knees and praying. So I got on my knees and just started praying and worshiping that way as my worship music was going on. That's just Barak. It's another form that we bless God by kneeling and bowing. We are submitting ourselves, reminding ourselves, God, you are higher than me. I am not God. You are. And maybe for some of us, your next step is just in worship. Maybe before you go to bed tonight, you just got to get at the end of your bed and kneel and just pray for your family. Pray. You know exactly what tomorrow is bringing you, and you just need to bow and surrender the day, Monday, to God. Maybe that's it. Here's how Barak's played out in Psalm. This is just one instance. Praise, or Barak the Lord, oh my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. I will bow in reverence to who God is. Here's another word, zamar. Let me hear you say zamar. Zamar means this, making music to God with strings to celebrate. You know, the deepest meaning of this word means pluck those bad boys, right? Not just, mean. It means, yeah, get those things going, right? We know that the worship team does this very well for you and I, but you can also do that with voice. But here's how one way is played out. Psalm 92, it says, it is good, it is good, it is good to praise or zamar the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. It's good to do that, the psalmist writes, to pluck those bad boys Here's where Hallel and Zamar coincide together in Psalm 150. It reads this way. Praise him with the, with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tim- timbrel and dancing. And what? Oh, you're getting weird on us. Not my word, God's word. I see some of you. Some of you are like, oh, okay, this is good. What you got going on? Right? Not that we're going to get crazy and have people start dancing down the aisles or anything like that. But hey, I can praise him by it. just, okay, okay, all right. God, you're good. You're good. Oh, yeah. And watch this. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Well, Pastor, it's too loud. I don't think drums should be in church. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Right, I know there's a volume loudness, but listen, every instrument can glorify God. Every instrument can glorify God. One more time. Every instrument can glorify God. Every instrument. From the organ to the drums, to the electric guitar, to the acoustic guitar. Every instrument can glorify God. Every instrument. Zamar, make it. Pluck those bad boys. God likes it. Shabak. Let me hear you say Shabak. Now apologize to your neighbor because you just spit in the back of their head. You got it. Hebrew, you got to get way down in there. It means this. To, to address in a loud tone, to shout. Someone got it. Thank you. Well, I, I, I don't do that. Again, I'm not against this. I'm just trying to find out what is God asking us to do in worship? And I'm asking the question, Lord, what's my next step in worship? This is why in the middle of a song, you may hear someone shout praise. They're Shabbat. That's what they're doing in this moment. Here's, watch this, here's how it's played out. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips, my lips will shabak you. My lips will shout praises to you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. It's shabak. It's yes, God. That's what it is. It's, this is when you and I sing praise with a voice of, tr- with a shout of triumph. When you and I really sing that part of that song that you're like, oh, I'm going to bring that home. You are living into that. You are shouting your praises to God. Shouting it. Here's the sixth one. Tauda. Means to lift hands in adoration. This is The act of the opposite of us kneeling in surrender, this is the act of lifting hands in surrender. That God, you're good. You split the sea so I can walk right through it. Oh, you're good because you have delivered, you liberated me from bondage. God, I lift my hands in adoration to who you are. And here's how it's played out here in the psalm. Whoever offers praise, tauda, lifting hands and surrender, watch this, glorifies me. You glorify God when you raise your hands in worship to surrender, to say, God, you're good. You're good. I went to an African-American uh, church. They, they worship awesomely. They, there's something about their culture that they are I can't wait to we get to be all ethnicities in heaven worshiping together. I think we're going to learn a lot. And during the message, you can get up on stage and bring a message and what are they doing? Are they, are they asking a question? No. What are they doing? They're tauda. They're saying, God, you're good. I surrender. That, that's, yep, right there. That's what that means. Here's the last word. Hebrew lesson, right? Here's the last word. What's, what's the goal of this lesson? Lord, just watch my next step in worship. We want to worship God's way. Here's the last one. This one's a funny word, just to warn you, okay? This is funny. Tequila. Sounds like tequila and gives you the same effect singing exuberantly, right? <laughs> but it's tequila, exuberant singing. Here's how it's played out in the psalm. I will extol the Lord at all times. His tehillah, this exuberant praise and singing to God will always, how often will always be on my lips. Always will I have tehillah on my lips, exuberant singing to my creator. That is the worship. But I love how this verse starts out. I will. And maybe for some of us that just needs to be the posture of our worship. Worship with an I will. I will do, Lord, what you have asked me to do. I will. I will. Men, can I talk to you for a moment? Wives, don't elbow your husband for a moment. Men, I think pride gets in our way of worshiping and praising God. You know those emotions when that one song is just hitting you right here? You're sitting there going, don't cry. Don't do it. because Men don't cry. Can we eliminate that lie out of culture? Men do cry. Men have emotions. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. No, if you are in the pit and it feels like you're in the pit of hell, get believers around you. Let you weep, let you mourn, but in the same time, let believers come and pick you up as well. We cannot battle life alone, men. We can't. Yeah, maybe your wife has never seen you cry. Maybe your wife has never seen hands raised. Maybe your wife has never heard any words out of your lips during the worship and praise sets of church. Will you set pride aside and come back to the heart of God and says, what are you asking me to do? And if I'm honest with us, friends, I love you deeply. Low key praise, low key praise does nothing but protect our egos. Men, one more time, I want to speak to you. My son was sitting in a worship service over summer. and You know, I have said we ought to take notes because the enemy wants to steal truth, and you're not going to remember what I have brought on stage. Every Sunday, this is a prophecy. You realize this. It's a, it's a word spoken to believers from God. It's, that's prophecy. My son sat over there and leaned over to my wife and says, mom, why are women taking notes and I don't see any men taking notes? (laughs) Come on, men. You want to see revival take place? Men, let's rise up and be godly men. Let's be the men God called us to. Forget emotions. Cry if you need to cry. Worship with an I will. I'll take notes because the enemy wants to steal things from me. I will take notes because I'm going to bring truth to my family. We're going to talk about it around the table or in the living room in my home. Come on. I I love you, men. Let's rise up. This nation needs you, men. They need a revival to start within you. You're going to see revival in our kids when you see a revival in men. I believe it. Ladies, keep leading when your husband's not leading. Keep leading. But men, let's rise. (laughs) Whew. I didn't say that any other service. Come on. Do you really think the enemy of our souls wants us to do any of that? Of course not. Lean into the way we started. I love you guys. I hope you feel that. I shout and yell at times because I love Jesus. I'm just trying to push all of us, spirit leading, to awaken to us to there is more of God. And if we settle, the devil's going to have his way. And he wants believers to settle. Settle and I will not lead a church that wants to settle. The kingdom of God is too important. Eternity is on the line, men and women. Eternity's on the line. And we have the greatest message, Jesus Christ. We don't have the greatest message, we have the only message. We began this way of this group of people in the church. Remember they're worshiping and fasting. Also, with, with prayer in there. But I don't miss what's so key here. Deepen your prayer life with fasting and with worship. There are moments in my prayer life that I just turn on the, word, the song and just I, I, I'm praying, but there are moments where I'm singing the song now just in my prayer. There are moments that man, that line right there, Lord, I pray. So we were singing, I am a child of God. I sat there inside, just said, God, made this room know that they are children of God. They're worshiping, they're fasting, they're praying, and look what happens. Holy Spirit said, oh, they worshiped, they fasted, they prayed, and they heard. They worshiped, they fasted, they prayed, and they heard. It's easier to hear God's voice when you're in a posture of prayer and worship. Get into a posture of prayer and worship. One of the saddest things I think a Christian can walk this entire life and say, I never heard from the Lord. First of all, the Lord speaks in so many ways. He speaks through people in your life. He, speak, he uses them. He uses his word. He uses worship songs. But sometimes we have to set ourselves and just to a posture that says, I'm here, and pray the pray, prayer prayer found in Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Prayer is love communicated. It's that communication line. God, I love you because you first loved us. There's no intimacy without communication. Prayer is love communicated. Worship is love expressed. God, as I communicate, I'm expressing in all sorts of ways through song on my lips, through hands raised, through kneeling and bowing my love to you. And I close with this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everything that's within you And with all your soul. And with all your mind. We will worship God with everything. Why? Because that's what God calls us to do. So in this moment, will you please stand? Those watching online, we're not done. Hang in. We're getting there. But I want us to worship through song with this one song, Reckless Love. And I know for some of us, we don't really like to think of God's love as being reckless, but it's a reminder that you and I, oftentimes we love conditionally. I'll love you as long as you're being good or doing this or that. God calls us to unconditional love, that you love people who may hurt you again and again and again. And to us as humans and our finite thinking, it feels like it's reckless. God, they're going to hurt you. They're going to turn your back on you. And God says, yes. And I will still chase them down no matter what. And that's why this song was titled Reckless Love because it feels reckless to us. But I want us to worship with this idea that it's an expression of love to God. That know this, there is no shadow God won't light up. Mountain, he won't climb up coming after you. That there's no wall, he won't kick down. No lie that he will not tear down in your mind coming after you. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. He deserves all honor and glory because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? Amen? Let us worship with this song.